to be here this morning with you guys. Um, it, I must say, uh, wandering in this morning and coming across a few familiar faces, it almost feels like coming home <laughs> through my role at CYC, having a lot of our leaders uh, and our young people, uh, people who've been involved in different ways uh, and even cheering on our ministry. Um, it is great to be here and to be a part of that. Um, I can't help but be excited and get mildly emotional when I watch videos like that, right? And, and see young people putting their faith in Jesus, uh, particularly as I see parents being part of baptising their children. What an amazing privilege, right? What an amazing privilege. Um, just incredible. And it's great to hear the great things that God is doing here uh, at CCW and, um, and through, um, through you guys. Um, I am excited to be part of this series, albeit at slightly later notice than the other. Um, as we look at uh, the signpost for you guys as a church, what it, lo- what it means for you guys to be the church here in Warrigal, what it looks like, uh, what you guys want to be known by, uh, w- what's important to you, those signposts, the DNA. Um, if you haven't been here, as the guys uh, sort of referenced for the last couple of weeks, uh, you guys have been looking through the first two of those signposts, the first being uh, pursuing God, so what it means to do that in all of life, and then last week, uh, to love the family, both our family, but also uh, the broader family and community that we are a part of. Um, this morning, we're going to be looking at the third of the, three, uh, of the five signposts in our, in our DNA at CCW, um, growing in generosity and this morning, I'm keen for us to look at what it means for us to, to live generously as a response to the good news of the gospel. What it means for our hearts, for our actions, um, but also in the way that these things can all point towards Jesus. Before we jump in, uh, let's pray. Almighty God, we do uh, praise you for the work that you are doing in this place and through this place. We praise you for the young people who have uh, made decisions to follow you, to stand up for, uh, for you in their lives. Lord, this morning, as we, do, as we do stretch out what it means for us to live uh, your way in, in, our, in our place and among our neighbours, um, Lord, I pray that you guide my words this morning. May my words be your words. Uh, may I be seeking uh, not my glory, but yours. Um, and may all those have ears to hear what you have. Uh, for them to hear, not what I have for them to hear. Be with us as we do that. Lord, we thank you for all you are and all that you've done for us uh, and for the, ex- uh, for the privilege that we have to, uh, to be able to share in your mission in our neighbourhoods and communities. Amen. Uh, a large part of my job at CYC, um, Danny sort of said, is, uh, is looking after the training and development of our volunteer leaders. Uh, interestingly, we did some stats this week. Uh, we currently have over 230 active leaders, so leaders who've led in the last 18 months across, across our ministry, which is, is pretty amazing. Uh, and, and of those 230 leaders, um, we have 93 different churches represented. It's 93 churches are sending us leaders uh, to lead at CYC, which is super exciting, right? It's super exciting. Um, leaders come to us in a, in a range of different ways, some through uh, church connections, like the great connection we have with you guys, um, some through friends of friends, a word of mouth, uh, some even through the old Google search. Um, we, we, get a, we get a number of different leads in a number of different ways. Um, but the one thing that becomes the most exciting for us in the office, for us at, at the CYC Ministries office, is when we see see uh, someone uh, who has been a camper with us grow up through camping uh, and grow into a desire to serve in leadership. 
Um, the other day I was reading through um, some of the applications for our upcoming Leaders in Training, our LIT program, um, and I came across this response to the question, uh, answering the question, why do you want to lead with CYC? I'm just going to read it to you. I've been coming to CYC camp since I was nine years old. And coming from a non-Christian background, my only experience of God was at camp. My leaders were so important in sharing who God was and encouraging me both in who I am as a person, but also to grow in my own faith. I want to lead because I want to be able to do that for others. I want them to have the same incredible experience that I have had. I couldn't write a better ad, right? Like legit, you would think that I made that up. It's incredible. You know, I get excited just thinking about that. And, and, and I, here is a young person who has experienced the love of Jesus, the power of encouragement and leadership through camp, and can't wait to be able to make that difference in someone else's life in the same way. Now, now I know that I'm biased, right? Because it's my job, uh, and, and I know that I, I, I get that. Uh, but I can't help but get excited about this sort of thing. Not only because it speaks so much to, to what we're trying to do at CYC, but also because it speaks so significantly in the call of each of us to respond to the good news of the gospel in our lives. This morning, I want to suggest to you that in order for us to grow in generosity... We can only do that when we, when we fully understand the power of the go- good news of the gospel and what it has done in us and the way that we are called to respond for it to work through us. As followers of Jesus, we, we must believe that God has blessed us in everything that we are and everything that we have. Our gifts, our skills, our talents, our abilities, the houses in which we live, the families that we're a part of, the communities we get to be involved in, all of this comes from the provision of a loving Father. And even though we, we do little to deserve these things often, God continues to pour blessings onto us as His people. We're called to live, love and give generously because of the love and blessing that has been shown to us through the gospel. And so, so when I read things like that LIT application and how this young person has been so affected by the relationship they had with their leaders on camp, so much so they can't wait to lead others in the same way, I'm reminded that any desire for us to grow in generosity must come from the overflow of the good news of the gospel, come from the overflow of these blessings that have been given us by a good God, a desire to live out of these blessings that we've received and and to use those blessings to bless others around us. If you have your Bibles with you, you might want to turn to the passage we're going to spend a little bit of time in today, uh, 1 Timothy 6, uh, verses 17 through to 19. That's 1 Timothy 6, 17, 19. You're probably looking in the middle of the New Testament, past all the letters to the churches. Um, yeah, the passage will be on the screen if you haven't got your Bibles with you, but I encourage you to follow along. Nothing better than a physical Bible reading it and being able to flick back and check that I'm using my context right and all that, so um, feel free. Uh, yeah, so 1 Timothy 6, 17 and 19. This, this passage appears right at the end of Paul's first letter uh, to the bloke he's been mentoring in ministry, Timothy. Right, and Timothy's at this time in the church at Ephesus, leading the church that Paul set up. And as part of these final thoughts and summaries to the letter, um, Paul implores Timothy to hold fast to the gospel uh, and to not be swayed by false teachings. 
uh, but to hold firm into who he believes God is and what he knows that God has done in his life and through his life, uh, through his son Jesus. It's important to remember that as we read this passage, this is not an isolated teaching. It comes on the back of some strong statements of the truths of the gospel. Let's read verses 17 to 19. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age, so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. As I look at this passage, um, I think Paul puts forward three perspectives on, uh, on how we can live generously, how we're called to live generously as a response to the good news of the gospel. The first perspective that we see in this passage is that if generosity is a response to the gospel, um, then we need to understand that if we are finding it difficult to be generous, if we find it difficult to live generously, uh, then, uh, or, or if we're, we find ourselves avoiding that, then it is probably because we misunderstand the gospel. Put another way, if we have a generosity problem, we have a gospel problem. Verse 17 again, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Now, some of you are going to be sitting here this morning and, and maybe shifting a little bit uh, uncomfortably in your seat, right? Um, uh, you know, I started to talk about money. This verse is about money. And uh, as Dominic said this morning, it, it's not all about money, but it is about money, <laughs> right? Um, and, and the reality is that often we feel uncomfortable about talking about this, right, in the church, right? For some reason, we just get a little bit tight, actually, a little bit tight. Um, but I want to suggest to you this morning that whilst this verse is totally about money, money is not the total point. You see, the unfortunate reality is that it is human nature, it is the way that we are built, the way that we are wired, the way the world tells us to live, uh, that, that we need to make it entirely about us. And this is true whether you have a lot or whether you have a little. We see it in ourselves, right? Well, maybe it's just me, but go with me in this. Um, it is our human nature to get caught up in our own needs. It is human nature to be caught up in our own concerns in our own worries, our savings, our debt, our mortgage. And similarly, it is easy for us to get carried away with the way that our hard work or our, using our skills and our abilities leads to the fulfillment of our plans and our dreams for us to feel comfortable, healthy or financially stable. But the danger in this is that we, is if we think we have it all, if we think that the only way we can get, get uh, these things is through our own strength, skills and abilities, then what we're really saying is we don't need a God who provides. If we think we are the reason um, that, we have, that we have, then not only do we have no need to rely on God's provision, but we're actually more likely to hold tightly onto the things that we have rather than release them. What Paul is saying in this passage is that as Jesus followers, we are called to better than that. 
You see, the world, the world tells us that it is all about us. The world tells us that we can do it on our own, that we can do it ourselves. But the gospel tells us to put our hope in the risen Jesus Christ. The gospel tells us that it is actually all about Him and what we can do for others through Him. So what does this mean for us as the people of God, to live out this truth, to live generously as a response to the gospel? It must mean putting ourselves aside. It must mean being willing to be generous even when it hurts. It must mean relying on God rather than our own skills, our own abilities, our own schedules, our own timelines, our own hard work. If we're to live out of the gospel, then we, know we, have a, we must know that we have a Father who loves us a Father who provides for us, a Father that will continue to bless us in order for us to bless others around us. If we have a generosity problem, we have a gospel problem. The second perspective on how we, as the people of God, can be growing in generosity through our understanding of the gospel in this passage is the gospel calls us to extravagant generosity. Verse 18 from today's passage, command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds and be generous and willing to share. Recently, I was chatting to a friend of mine who was telling me this crazy story about this missional community in his church. Um, one of the families of this missional community had been connecting with, uh, building a relationship with, uh, there was a, na- a neighbour of one of the couples in, in the missional community. Um, there's a single mum, uh, two kids, um, and as they started sharing their, their life with each other, um, she opened up to them about how she was in significant debt, significant credit card debt, right, um, to the point where, um, and she was unable to work because she had two young kids uh, who were under school age, um, to the point where she was struggling to make rent, to, to buy food, uh, because she was being crippled by the, um, by the interest that she had to pay, let alone trying to pay off actually what she owed. Um, the family who she shared this with shared this with their missional community um, and, and asked them to pray about it. As they spent time praying about it, one of the guys in the, um, in, in the group felt convicted that, that it wasn't enough. You can see where I'm going with this, right? It wasn't enough for them just to pray. Now, prayer is amazing and does amazing things. We have a great God who answers our prayers and does anything, right? But sometimes we are also called to act. And so after much discussion and prayer within the group, um, they decided to pull some money together and offered to pay the $5,000 off this lady's credit card to clear the debt. This allowed her to get back to level again. She chopped up the credit card, (laughs) was able to get back to a stage where she could actually focus on on budgeting and saving properly and being able to, you know, organise her, her, her life in that way um, rather than being, feeling like she was overwhelmed and needed to avoid the phone calls from the bank every day. Now, I'd love to be able to tell you that, that this situation led this woman to know Jesus. I'd love to be able to tell you that, um, that there was a miraculous turnaround in her life, she won the lottery the next day and everything is fine. I'd love to be able to tell you that, right? Uh, But as far as I'm aware, neither of those things happened yet. But I do know, um, through talking to my friend, that this missional community was, and indeed this church as a whole, was changed forever. This extravagant gesture became a symbol 
it became a signpost for them about just how seriously they took the grace of the gospel, how seriously they took the generosity that God had shown them and how far they were willing to go to show it. The thing is, if we are going to seek to grow in generosity, uh, we must understand how extravagantly generous the gospel is. The good news of the gospel is that despite the fact that each of us is far from worthy of God's love, despite the fact that we continually turn our back on God's plan for us and the way He wants us to live our lives, um, despite all these things, and in fact the Bible tells us that because of all these things, we actually deserve death, right? Romans 6. But despite all this, God continues to pour His love on us. Despite all these things, uh, He continues to pour out His blessing on us, so much so that He sent His Son Jesus to die on the cross uh, for us, so that we could be in relationship with Him. And more than that, the Bible tells us that, that nothing can make, us, that can make God love us more or less. No hard work, no plans, no effort, nothing can do that. Nothing can separate us from His love. This is extravagant love. This is extravagant generosity. And if this is the gospel that we live out of, this is the gospel that changes our lives, that causes young people to stand up and say, yes, I want to be a part of that, then we need to be able to respond extravagantly. It calls us to love with this same extravagant love, this same extravagant generosity of the people around us. And we need to ask ourselves, what would it look like for us as the people of God? to be extravagantly generous in the same way that God has been for us and is for us, both to other believers and also to other neighbours and in our community. Now, the danger of seeking to love with extravagant generosity is that sometimes we can be paralysed by the grand gesture. (laughs) You can sit there and go, I could never pay off someone's credit card. That's crazy. I'm barely making it myself. (laughs) Please hear me. I'm not saying that we all need to go out and pay off the debts of all our neighbours. Unless that's what God's called you to do, in which case you should definitely do that. But I also have no doubt that if each of us stopped to think, if each of us spent time seeking God in these things, there would be someone in our lives, something in our lives that we could do to love someone else extravagantly, to show that extravagant generosity. It might be as simple as a dropped around meal, a mowed lawn, um, it might be a night of babysitting, it might be a car service, it could be a whole bunch of things. Um, but could you imagine <laughs> if all of us sought to love the people in our lives extravagantly and with extravagant generosity, the difference that, that would make? This is the call of the gospel. The third perspective in today's passage uh, on how we can be responding to the good news of the gospel and generosity is um, is found in in verse 19 of the passage. Uh, In this way, Paul writes, in this way they will lay out treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. This verse is, is a reminder to us as Jesus' followers that when we choose to respond to the gospel by living out of generosity that has been first shown us, that what we are doing is responding to a call that is much bigger than us. We were responding to a desire to bring about God's kingdom here on earth, here in our cities, in our neighbourhoods, in our community. With this in mind, if we are seeking to grow in generosity in response to the gospel, um, our generosity must point beyond us and towards Jesus. 
In the Gospel of John, Jesus is enjoying the, uh, the final Passover meal uh, with his disciples the night before he was betrayed. And he says these words, John 13, 34 to 35, As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciple, if you love one another. Jesus' words here are a stark reminder that if we are to take the call of the Gospel seriously, the love uh, that we show for others will not just be thoughts and prayers. It won't just be feelings and best wishes. It will be significant enough to be seen, large enough that people can't ignore it, extravagant enough that people ask why. The other day I was listening to a podcast, uh, Jeff, Jeff Vanderstelt, who's the, um, the, one of the pastors at a church called Doxa Church in Seattle in the States. Uh, and he was sharing... Um, how in his desire to live out the gospel in all, in all of life, uh, in, in his family and in his, in his community, he regularly asks himself the following question. Am I living life in a way, in such a way that demands a gospel explanation? Am I living my life in a way in, that demands gospel explanation? Am I, the things that I'm doing, so outrageous, so extravagant, that it, that it makes people go, Why? Now, as someone who leads others, as someone who is seeking to live out my faith uh, in the world around me, in my community, in my neighbourhood, in my church, to lead my family in knowing uh, and experiencing God's love and living out of that, uh, this question haunts me. (laughs) However, and it's because I find it to be a significant challenge. If as, as Jesus followers, our lives don't look any different to anyone else's in this world, then how can we say the gospel has changed us? If our priorities don't look any different to anyone else's in this world, how can we say that we are trusting in God's provision? If our hearts don't break for those who are broken and in need, and we're not moved to respond out of extravagant generosity that's been shown us first, then we must ask, do we really know the gospel? Instead, if we want to experience and understand what Paul means when he writes, a life that is truly life. We must find our foundation in the riches, not of this world, but in the riches of the gospel, a gospel that requires our extravagant generosity in a way that points not to how good we are, but to how good He is. A generosity that emanates um, not from anything we have, but only from what He has done for us. Our generosity must must point beyond us and towards Jesus. As I finish today, I want, I want to leave you guys with an encouragement. Um, as a church community seeking to ground yourselves in your DNA, as a church community seeking to explore what it means to live out the gospel of Jesus in your, in your neighbourhoods, in your community, in your city, um, I want to encourage you to remember that the church does not exist for you. It can be easy to think that. The church does not exist for you. It exists for the people of, the na- of your neighbourhoods, of this city, that don't yet know Jesus. I want to encourage you that as you draw closer in your relationship with Jesus, as He calls you to, 
I want you to not only be reminded of the power of what he has done for you, of the power of his love, of the power of his grace in your life, uh, but also of the call upon your lives to be the hand and feet of Jesus in this community. The same gospel that has saved you, the same love that has been poured out on your undeserving heart, the same grace that is given again and again and again when we fall short, is the same gospel that calls us to respond, uh, not just in our thoughts, but in our actions, to live generously, to live extravagantly generously in light of what the gospel has done in our hearts and our lives. Be reminded that the gospel calls you to be generous and extravagantly so. And in doing so, seek to show that generosity and that love uh, to the people in your world, in your neighbourhood, in your community. And we will represent God and have an answer to that question. What is it about our lives that demands a gospel explanation? Would you pray with me? Father God, we are so grateful for all that you've given us. We are so grateful uh, for, the, for the love that you have poured out on us from creation, for the designs that you have for our lives uh, and for the ways that you have continued to bless us uh, and show us your grace. Lord, but we know that the call upon our lives is, not, is that that is not the end. We know that the call upon our lives is to not only know you, but to show you to others so that others may know you too. Lord, as we step out this week seeking to live in generosity, uh, embolden us to do that, to cross the street, to ask, to provide, to love extravagantly um, and give us opportunity to do that. Holy Spirit, guide uh, us as the people of God as we do that. Lord God, thank you for for who you are and everything that you've done for us and for the amazing privilege we have to live out of that and to show others the same. Be with us as we do that. Amen.